Central America on the Pacific coast that is one-fifth the size of Virginia. And the countries, the communities that we serve are very rural. Tara is kind of the community that we adopted, and then we help some of the rural communities around that. And there's no road back in there. It's a jungle community, and this is the path in there. And you kind of feel like you're going back in time when you go back in there. Here are some of the houses that we see. Basically, they're one room, often dirt floor. Multiple generations live in one room. Some of the houses have been built out of cinder block and above flood stage. And this is the house where we stay. Our mission representative, Doobie, who was here this summer, she, came, she and her daughter came in July, so some of you might have met them. You'll see some pictures of them later on. But this is where we stay, and all the community children come there. They all call Doobie aunt, whether she's her their aunt or not. Everything else is outside. The kitchens are outside. This was Doobie's kitchen when we first went, and they cook over fire or charcoal. This is some of the progress. Now Doobie has a gas stove and griddle top that she cooks inside. It's still a one-room Everything's in that one room. When we first started, they were the women were grinding the corn on volcanic rock out in their outdoor kitchen. And now we have a community corn grinder. And all the women come, and they put the corn in the top and with the water, and it comes out ready to make their tortillas. There was no motorized transportation when we first went either. Ox carts, pony carts. And when we installed the first clean water system, we needed a truck to deliver water to the people who live too far to carry it. So we have one community truck, and it takes people out early in the morning to the nearest public road where they can get some public transportation. And then it comes back and it takes kids to three different schools, the elementary, middle, and high school. And then it comes back and it delivers clean water around the community, goes back and gets the kids and goes out to the road to bring in the people for the rest of the day. So it's a one busy truck. They're, they're an agricultural community for the most part, and part of the reason for poverty is that there are very few jobs for people, but they do cut down trees and make charcoal and then the people from Mexico come with trucks and turn these lumps into the briquettes that you might use as charcoal. They build their own boats, like our Native Americans would have many, many year, years ago, and fish. They, the farming is rather primitive, if any of you all are farmers. The children, when we first went, the adults had not been able to go to school we were trying to do some eye exams, and they knew they were letters and numbers, but they couldn't tell us what they were. So we wanted education to be one of our primary focuses. So the children were working at home or in the fields with their parents because they couldn't afford to go to school. She's making tamales. You know, these boys are working along with their parents, their fathers or brothers, or, and, and everything is done by hand. 
and you can see they're barefoot, very different than we might do construction. The other negative or pull down there because of the poverty is the gangs, and I'm sure you all have probably heard about MS-13 and all the Salvadoran gangs, and gangs prey on poor young girls and young boys and say, you know, look, we've got cars and jewelry and money and come and be part of us. And they provide that belonging. So our goal was to make sure that they felt the belonging in their community, in their church, with their family, and that they had a hope for a better future and not listen to the gangs. Some of the kids were climbing up in the tree with a slingshot and trying to sell this iguana to bring a few pennies home to their parents because they couldn't afford to go to school. So that was one of our first things. Marvin graduated from college with an engineering degree. He was sort of the first one to go through. He went to high school, kind of speeded up, and then he went to university to show the other people in the community we can do this. And there's Doobie and some of her friends and sisters. There's a Saturday school for adults that takes a lot longer, but if they are working or raising kids, they can go to school all day on Saturday and get a degree. That's what she did. The elementary school is several miles through the jungle, and the kids were walking to that school. So we were walking Kati to school, and now they have a truck. At first, the the girls could not go beyond elementary school because the road that they had to go to middle school or high school was not safe. They were attacked. So now girls can go to middle school and high school because the truck comes to the elementary school and the middle school and high school. And there's the elementary school. It's just two rooms, and one teacher teaches three or four grades in one class. But they're so excited to be able to go to school. And with, with your help and, and with other help, we, we send school supplies. And here are some of the kids that you all have helped sponsor go to school. We could not do this without your help. Church is a, a very important part of graduation. The families and friends meet the kids at school for graduation. And then we promenade, we walk through the community to the church and have a service and thank God for the privilege of going to school and for their success and for their parents' sacrifice so they can go to school. But church is central to everything they do. That was Jauncey. She was our very first high school graduate and her brother died of leukemia and it was her dream to be a doctor. So she is now, with y'all's help, she is in her fourth year of medical school. So she has a couple more years to go, and she will be a doctor. And we went and saw Kati when she graduated. That's Doobie and Kati on Kati's graduation from high school. This is the little outdoor Sunday school when John and I went the first time, and we went to this little Sunday school with the kids, the kids were just so full of the love of Jesus and the hope it just shined on their faces, and yet we knew what their parents' poverty was like and that they couldn't read 
So this is when we really felt like God put that love in our hearts and said, you can't go home to Virginia and forget what you've seen. You've got to do something. They kneeled down in the dirt to pray. The people had tried to build a church and they just didn't have enough funds to, to get very far. The jungle started to take it over. They would bring their little plastic chairs to a clearing here and have church, but they didn't have a building. So when we said, what is the first thing you need? They wanted a church. This is their church now. And it is the center of the community. You can see it's very well attended. And somebody recently visited there, and they said they have church every day. Yes, they do. <laughs> and we've started a second little church in the next community over. And that's still just rather rough, primitive. The other thing was they were carrying water a distance, and it was very bad, uh, it had E. coli and all kinds of contamination in the water. It was clear, so they thought it was okay, but we had to teach them about bacteria and stuff, and that was one of the many miracles. When God puts that love in your heart, that passion to do something, it's like he just keeps opening doors and connecting you with people to do what he wants you to do. So when we first heard that they needed a clean water system or they needed clean water, there was a health official that told us the best thing would be to give them clean water. They, the babies were dying, all the children had parasites and were malnourished, and most of the people had gastrointestinal diseases. And John and I thought, we don't know anything about water engineering. And we took our pets to the vet when we returned from that trip. And at that vet, you can have well, five or six different vets, but the one we got that day, the first words out of his mouth as he walked into the little office was, I've just returned from Guatemala where I installed a clean water system. And we said, thank you, God. How did you learn how to do that? We need to learn how to do that. And he told us about Living Waters for the World in Oxford, Mississippi. So that's what I mean by God just provides. He makes a way when it looks like there's no way. This was our, our water celebration, and everybody was having their first drink of clean water and thanking God. All right, I want this one to play. It's got the video in it. Oh, good. This young lady was 15 when she went with us. Mm -hmm. 
I just wanted to show you that to see that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and they sing some of the same songs that we do. This is the inside of our clean water system and now Doobie delivers it to 15 other rural communities and the health official that originally told us we needed to do this that said between the clean water and the medical clinic, this is a health oasis now. So these are the kinds of projects you are helping. We still help maintain the water system. And this is Freddie, the young man that died of leukemia. And his sister's the one that is becoming a doctor. But he also made us want to do more clinics. So we did do some eye clinics. And we found this little fella that was so cross-eyed he was blind, he had to hold on to somebody, and he would never have been able to go to school. But the doctor that was with us said, he's right at an age, if, if he gets surgery and gets them put back where they belong, he'll be okay. So we made sure that happened. <laughs> and now he's one of our students. He's in middle school now. So we did need to build a clinic, and land is really hard to come by. There's so little land, and it passes down in families, and especially being agricultural, but right next to the church, right next to the water system, right across the little path from the, the corn grinder, this grandma and grandpa died, and they had enough heirs. The land had to be sold to divide it. So. This is what we turned into our clinic. So we do have a free medical clinic now. A doctor comes, and there's the doctor, and we provide medications, vitamins, whatever it is that they need. <laughs> We've also done some food projects so that we buy goats or chickens, build fish ponds, and provide tilapia fish so that they can have some sustainable food. Now that they're reading, we also have a library in the clinic, and the kids absolutely love the books, and they take the books home, and with maybe one bare light bulb in their one room, all the adults gather around and the kids read to them. We also started an English class. A gentleman that uh, had helped the mission went with his daughter and they had a driver that took them in there. Actually, the man was from El Salvador, but he couldn't find Tower. He didn't know where it was. So he had to call Doobie, and Doobie went out and let him in. But as they were leaving, after they'd seen all the projects, Terry asked the Salvadoran man, besides what you saw, what else do these people need that maybe we could do? And the man said, if they could learn English, that would give them a step up as far as jobs go, that there's a call center that hires people who speak English. So we started bringing a teacher in every Saturday, and she teaches English. We've done that for one year, and they're pupils from seven on up to adult uh, that go. Okay, Emmanuel Youth Mission is a relational mission. We have been involved for 17 years, and we've watched kids be born and grow up and graduate and go to church with them and play with them. So it was the children that really 
tugged at our hearts and motivated us. So I hope you'll enjoy seeing some beautiful children's faces. This song, You Raise Me Up, also meant a lot to us because we couldn't have done anything without God's help. And we want to raise the kids up to have hope and have a better future and not repeat the poverty of their parents. This is Carolina when we first went, and now she's all grown up and healthy and going to school. The kids, the older kids play with the little kids. There's, there's no judgment. Down, there's no bullying. And oh, um, my soul, so They really weary. do walk in love. When troubles come. And They're trying to ride a bicycle. They don't have a tire on the front. Then I am still we tried to introduce the kids to things they'd never seen. They'd never had art materials. They'd never had crayons, watercolors, coloring books. They love all that kind of thing. When you're thinking about Christmas presents, any kind of art material is always good. They've never had ice cream before. Nobody had a refrigerator, so they'd never had ice cream. And costumes, that's something that you all have sent the last couple of years. And, you know, they could put those on and pretend to be anything, and that brings them so much joy. We did uh, build a playground, and both the kids and the adults play on this one. the most loving, sweet children, and they're so appreciative of everything. Notice this little girl just has one leg. She had one leg removed for cancer. She's one of our students, and she joined in with her friends on Independence Day in native costume. The kids always just line up so patiently and wait their turn when we're passing out food or toys or anything. Nobody pushes and shoves. They're happy with one toy. These are the boxes that we ship in when you all donate for Christmas. We ship these great big boxes. Doobie sorts through everything. And there are 50 families in Tower, and she makes sure every family gets something. She has a big party and passes things out, has pinatas for the children. They play games and have food. 
There's some clear book bags that you all sent. Every child gets a toy. Bibles. Stuffed animals. Homemade baby blankets. Homemade jump ropes. Costumes. Even the boxes are toys. One church makes dresses and puts a heart on every dress. Look at the joy that you all have contributed to bring into the people. The music stopped a little bit sooner. I wasn't fast enough with the clicker. Look at how happy he is with that one toy. Shoes. All right, you met Kati this summer, some of you, and this was her at three when we first met her. And you can watch her grow up. This was her quinceanera when she turned 15. That is a very special day for girls in Hispanic culture. Now she lives in Rochester, New York with her dad, and she is applying to university to be a physician assistant. So she's met with her advisor, and she's on that path. There she is with Doobie, her mom, and some pe somebody you know. <laughs> and they're saying thank you from the heart of El Salvador. So I want to say thank you to all of you, because none of those things could happen without partners like you. You're the only church that commits to every month. I get other donations from churches or individuals, but they're kind of random. I don't know when they're gonna come. But you help me be able to plan, because I send a wire every month to provide for the needs that Doobie says are there at that time. So you are a tremendous blessing. And all that you did to help them have a happy Christmas, too. That's just wonderful. So you do truly represent Christ in El Salvador. And I thank you. We want to pray for you. I want to thank you for all that you've done and, and all that you have have the heart that you have poured out to, to not only this people, but to us. You have, you have embraced us just as we have embraced you. And Jana, Jana is one of us. She is one of our missionaries. We, we have adopted you. You belong to us, and we're going to do what we can. Any needs, you call us. I know you usually go through Pastor Helen, and that's a, that's a wonderful thing, but let us know what your needs are, not only with the mission, but personally. Amen? Would you guys extend your hands? Father God, right now, we thank you for the heart of this servant of God who has poured out and poured out and poured out and poured out. Father, we ask you to uh, be her provider, that there would not be a need in her life that would not be met. God, that you would touch her, that you would uh, allow your favor to rest on her. Father, that, that every need would be met. And Father, for this, this mission that she oversees, Father, I pray that you would give her wisdom, that you would give her insight, that you would give her joy unimaginable for what she is able to do with the Holy Spirit. 
as they partner together, as they koinonia together, Lord, and as they, they oh, reach out to this people who, by we could see the smiles on their faces, these are not people who walk around saying, oh, woe is me. These are a proud people that say, oh, we are, oh, we are Christians in the right sense. But Lord, we know there are people down there that don't know you, and we ask you to send us. Father, send us down there. Give us the means, give us the oh, desire and give us the interpreters that we can go down and we can do the things that you called us to do when you say go into all the world and make disciples. Let us be your hands and feet as we partner with this great, great mission in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Jonathan, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Yes, ma'am. Oh. Herself, now a widow since John's passed on, she gives out of her own to make sure that there's enough for El Salvador. So I just wanted you to have that confidence that everything you give financially goes to them. Amen. Amen. Okay, so as we close up, if you guys have any questions for Jonna, I'm sure she can stick around for a few minutes after we get done and you can ask her.